welcome to iDeveloper Live episode 67, again, listening live. <laughs> it's uh, Tuesday the 2nd of October and the show is brought to you today by uh, our sponsor Zero Objects and Invasive Code. We'll talk a little bit more about them in, in a moment. Uh, hello chat room. Um, there's uh, a few of you in there. I think a few people are struggling to get in the chat room right now. I'm not sure why that is, but as we're on air, I'm going to find that difficult to sort out. Simon Wolf is in the chat room, mind you. So, let's say hello to Simon, because he hasn't heard that in a while. <laughs> and by the deep, guttural roaring that you can hear at the other end of the line, you will know that also with me today still is Mr. John Fox. How are you, John? I'm dandy. I'm just so happy to do this twice. This is like Groundhog's Day. You yeah. know, it's Tuesday, October the 2nd in this part of the world, but somewhere it's it's Wednesday, October the 3rd, isn't it? So, you know, somehow because we of this strange kind of international dateline and, and yesterday's tomorrow's next week's Thursday or something, we should just repeat everything. It is. And of course, actually, this is a podcast that goes on the feeds of people who listen to uh, at any time. So we probably ought to state that it's actually Tuesday, October the 2nd, 2012. We need to be that accurate. We do. And uh, it's the time of the year where, you know, when I say I'm coming to you live from sunny San Francisco, it actually is. It's unbelievable. So all those other people who might be cold somewhere yesterday, it was like 86 degrees Fahrenheit. God knows what that is in, in, in the rest of the world's temperature. But it was it was not just warm. It was almost uncomfortably hot. So so is that normal for October? In, in, it's in, uh, more or less, Francisco? yeah. The summer comes in October. It's great. Yeah. You get oh, to have right. okay. bike have weather to again. Visit in October next time. That's right. You can come bring presents for me. Although I've got so, a feeling I was there. Um, I was there um, last November, and it was quite warm as well, actually. So yeah. Anyway, why are we talking about the weather? <laughs> weather or not, we like it is a factor in our lives. How about that? Okay. But no, we should be talking about transitions because we are making these transitions with iOS six and new hardware, and, and it's it's been a bit of a challenge in the last couple of, of I want to say last couple of weeks as that has rolled out a new iOS and new hardware, new processor. It's, uh, it's been a bit fun. That's it, folks. You've got uh, me and John having a chat about some transitioning iOS 6 stuff and some new iOS 6 technologies today. So if you're only tuning in for the guests, well, I'm afraid you're disappointing already. But, John, you are going to be superb as we have this next bit of our conversation because you've just said it. You've been t- trying to take one of the projects that you've been working on. Now, um, you know, it, it's, it's, uh, I'm guessing it's quite a large and complex project and um, transition it to iOS 6 and, and been experiencing, shall we say, some issues? Yeah, it's it's not, I mean, it's a, it's a client project and it, it uses a number of different third-party libraries. A lot of, uh, you know, some of which are things like analytics, some of which are, are things like um, uh, OpenCV, which is the, the Open Computer Vision Library from Intel and it's used for doing image recognition. And an image and shape detection, all that kind of stuff. So anyway, it's uh, you know when you use third-party libraries and they're come pre-compiled already for you, then they're compiled for a certain processors. So if a new processor ships, ideally you want to have it recompiled for those processors as well. But nobody knew about these new processors other than Apple and, and whoever Apple shared it with, which is not us, um, until after they shipped. So all of a sudden you 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 have you know. You've got a new phone, which has a new screen size, so you ideally want to adjust for that. You've got iOS 6, which changed the whole rotation behavior, which, you know, if you were targeting iOS 5, you had one way of doing it, and and in theory, it's compatible. You have this new processor, which makes a bit of trouble if you've got libraries, and it's, you know, you release an app, and all of a sudden, you know, some people go to update their phone, and and the apps they may have had may not work, for example. So it's, it's... it's a bit of a pain. It really is. Um, and so those are those are three separate things. We could go through them individually if you wanted. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, let's, let's just start with the principle of this, and then we'll, then we'll go through those things. Um, because you know, as developers, obviously, we've had iOS six for you know um, since Dub Dub. Yeah. Um, really. So what's that? June, July, August. Three months. Four months. Getting on for four months. Um, and so, as far as iOS itself is concerned. Um, yeah, you know, we have no excuse not to be ready. I mean, if if you can't be bothered to pay the ninety nine dollars to to be part of the program to have been able to get hold of this for the last four months, then really you have no right to complain uh, about you know uh, anything here. Um, but you know, as you said, it's the introduction of new hardware um, which has caused a whole bunch of problems. Um, 
in here as well. Now, uh, I mean, you know, let, let, let's pick them one at a time um, and, and go through. I mean, I'm particularly interested in the third-party library one because, I mean, what you know, what are the consequences of some of these libraries? Will they not run at all because they weren't compiled for the right processor or are there side effects or, or no, I mean, what is it you're having it, to put up with? It's it's a couple of things. I mean, one is is that just that you know if you the, the if you have a a library that's compiled for the prior version of ARM, yes, it should work just fine. It's it's the settings. This is something that you that I you I I've noticed. I guess everybody has is that Apple really really wants you to be on the bleeding edge. So you upgrade and and you you open up your new project. Oh, sorry, you know existing project and a new version of Xcode, and the, the compile settings have changed. For example, so they they expect that you should want to target you know all their processors, right, and all the and and then all of a sudden it doesn't work and you're like going why what's going on you know and and you know some of these things I have to admit and, and I think in general Xcode does tons of stuff that's what an IDE does there I mean if you had to compile a project with all the different settings the linker flags this that and the other flags all that kind of stuff by yourself and maintain it, it it's pretty nightmarish so Xcode does all these things for you and so they have to get the setup just right. And what I found is, is you open up your existing project in Xcode 4 or 5, you hit build, and all of a sudden, your app just doesn't work. And you start seeing these things, ARM 7S, what's that? I, I didn't know. I didn't know that there was a new processor. So uh, then then if you have all the code for, for your libraries, then you have to recompile them. But if those if those libraries themselves are are you know some libraries you know especially things like like image recognition like that OpenCV they they have some hand tuned code I'm, I'm sure there's some some assembler code in there and if they haven't updated it for the the, the new processor it won't work so I found myself in, in the case with OpenCV not working for ARM seven S and it wasn't it, 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 to build it from from sources a real pain in the butt so much so that that people give you these these prefab uh, compiled libraries for you, and even just getting it to work, since it's a C++ library, getting it to play nice with Objective-C and get all the, that part of it work done is such a pain in the butt that, that people give prefab Xcode projects. So getting everything going just with that was a bit of a challenge, and it was only until fairly recently, like literally last week, that somebody had, had kind of posted you know the instructions on, here's how to get OpenCV for ARM 7S. That was one of the libraries. There are actually a number of other ones. There were some other ones that, that the, the company was using for analytics where they haven't updated. And so it's just it's a case where you know you get caught. So that's uh, that's a bit of the problem. I guess we work in an indie environment uh, often where um you know, we're used to working with a lot of people who, you know, a new something comes out, they, you know, we rebuild, we re-release, it's done sort of thing. Yeah, I guess a lot of these libraries might come from sort of companies that just can't do that sort of turnaround as well. Yeah, it's true. I mean, it's third-party stuff. Yeah. And and it's, it's as I said, it's mostly just, there's, there's certain aspects of, of writing software that I just do not enjoy. And, and I have to say, managing Xcode and build and all this kind of stuff, I, I just find it tedious. You know, I guess maybe some people love doing it. I don't. I just, I, I want to get my environment set up, work on the, on the stuff I want to work on. And I want either somebody else to take care of it, or I want it to just, just work. And the transition to iOS 6 and the new hardware didn't just work. So I, I'm guessing here, that you, you know, the, this may be even more annoying because actually you're trying to um, produce a project that will run on iOS 6, but you're not particularly targeting any of the new features of right. iOS 6. So you're getting all of the pain, none of the gain. Yeah, exactly. Right, and then 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 other things do. It's like you know, you're in the Xcode. Uh, you know, you're in there. They want you to use the bleeding edge technology. You go to create a new nib file, and then all of a sudden, of course, it, it wants to give you auto layout. Auto layout is great and wonderful, but it's not compatible with iOS five. So, you know, then 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 you run into this problem. You know, you have to make this swift transition, and that's just something I noticed with with Xcode or Apple Apple's frameworks in general. It is grand and great and glorious if you're starting a project from scratch and you can just use all the new technologies and you don't have to worry about any installed base. And a lot of people will say, look, their upgrades are come so fast, so furious, there's no need not to. And you know, yes, that's true. But you know, the reality is is that there are plenty of people who haven't upgraded to iOS 6 who 
may not particularly necessarily want to. I mean, I, I haven't upgraded my, my iPhone 4 to, to iOS 6, mostly because I know I'm getting an iPhone 5 next month and I want to have another machine that, that, that is running iOS 5. You can't back it up. So, and okay, but there, there are plenty of people who say, you know, my, my machine is working fine. Do I really need to upgrade to iOS 6? No. Maybe not necessarily, and then we can consider the whole maps fracas. There, there may be maybe more people in general that may have decided I'm not going to upgrade to six. So you can't really just say, "Sorry, I'm I'm not going to target anymore." So again, you run into this problem where Apple is really pushing you with with the, the default settings in their tools to to use the very latest and greatest of things, and when they break compatibility, it's just it's a bit, a bit in the pain. Yeah, I mean, okay, so um, I mean, let's look at what is in iOS six that. That, that might make it uh, um, worth good. I mean, you've mentioned auto layout. Now, we've just actually fin- finished filming a course at the end of last week on auto layout um, here, and uh, I have to say, I like it. It's mm. it's it's pretty darn good. Uh, I mean, it's a lot better than strings, uh, springs and struts. Uh, I mean, it, the thing is, it's it's pretty deep, and you have to get used to it. If you just if you just fire up Interface Builder and start moving stuff around, yeah, well, the Interface Builder part of Xcode. It's incredibly. Um, it can be incredibly frustrating. Um, no, I mean you are aware you can turn off auto layout for a nib just by no, checking it. I, 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 I you forget. No, you forget <laughs> because you you just forget. You create set up something and and then yeah, you know, it, then yeah. all of a sudden, boom. You, you, so. Yeah, it is. I mean, I think uh, when you start using auto layout and interface builder, it, it, it can be quite frustrating. Um, Although at the same time, once you get used to it, it's uh, it's incredibly powerful. I think the thing is, um, you know, Xcode uh, and Interface Builder are so um, insistent that you have to create a fully um, compliant, constraint compliant layout that it, it adds constraints everywhere. And actually, if you're just trying to set something half up so you can move it later on, it becomes really hard. Whereas um, previously under uh, Springs and Struts, you could just throw a bunch of stuff into your nib and then and then you know position it all with code later on and not worry about it so much um but it's the auto layout stuff is really powerful especially when you start dropping down to code um we, we've got the primitive um way of, of of dealing with constraints where you can just sort of add in and take away constraints from views and controls um because you know the constraints that are getting created uh, in Xcode are just objects and they can be manipulated so you can start removing them, them in. but then you've got the, the visual um, layout language um, which is like an ASCII art language that you can use to uh, really easily sort of define your layout and code and when you mix interface builder and the primitive and the flow layout um, uh, methods together you can start you know, really easily creating um, layouts that do move properly with rotation and, and really nicely and, and sort of, you know, far more easily than you could before. So I think going forward, auto layout is, is really cool. Can I can I reveal a deep, dark secret? I find auto layout, it's it's powerful and it works and, and is great. But sometimes, I'm I, maybe it's just I'm having my own transition problems. Like I want to do something simple. I want to have a view that is is kind of, pegs to each of the different corners and grows in both directions. And I find it so so confusing to, to do an auto layout that I, sometimes I'll just turn off auto layout, set the springs and struts I want to, then re-enable auto layout and it sets things up properly. Yeah, I think that's transitioning yeah. issues. Um, you, you've discovered the pin menu, obviously, yeah. in, 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 in Xcode Interface Builder, which has lots of that sort of stuff in there. Yeah. Um, it's... I think John, you're going to have to get our course next week when we release it. Later I, I this tell week. you, release it, aren't you? And then you guys have to see how all this stuff works because that stuff is actually pretty simple, really. Yeah. Um, it is just finding the the right place to do it. I mean, we used to just go to the size menu, didn't we? And you put the right. strings and struts in place, and it was all done. I mean, I guess the biggest difference with auto um, auto layout is it's it's a it's a relational layout system. So everything is about how this relates to the other thing with it. Um, it's you know it's it's you know you can begin to say that I want this to always be this far from this, and but I want the borders around both of them to be this size, and and everything becomes relational. So it is, yeah, it can get confusing, but it's really powerful. Yeah. Ah, but you guys are cooking with fire. Between you know your blocks course is really great. I'm looking forward to auto layout things. So these these kind of short sharp shocked uh, videos are really cool. 
Yeah, well, actually, we were quite surprised. Um, I have to say the material for Auto Layout uh, course has been done by um, Matt, uh, Matt Tantakok, who, who, who's um, helping us out here, uh, and we filmed it together last week. Um, and we thought, yeah, let's just put a short course on uh, Auto Layout together, and we'll, we'll chuck it out quickly. Um, but it ended up, it took us, it, the course runs for 90 minutes. There's a lot of stuff in there. <laughs> Well, which we did find surprising. We thought, oh, 30 minutes, 40 minutes, we can do auto layout. And, you know, it's an hour and a half on it, especially once you st- start getting down into the way you can manipulate stuff in code um, and, and, and all the relational stuff between stuff. It's, um, yeah, it's it's quite a, uh, a quite a beast, shall we say. Hmm. So then, then moving right along, there's there's then that issue of how do you deal with with supporting a new screen size um, because that can be a little bit tricky as well, right? Uh, you you all of a sudden now you have a, a new a window and you can take advantage of it. And how do you deal with that? You know, it, it kind of depends on your app. Like if if your app just has a table view and and you set up your auto layout or or even spring you know even springs and struts. Um, view and it can resize that's all great but uh if you are working on apps that are highly how do i put this highly kind of uh photoshop driven let's put it that way where you have backgrounds that have to be cut to a certain size and that type of thing you in the background is so organic you can't kind of programmatically create it you couldn't really draw it with code that becomes a little problem and a lot of the stuff i've been working on recently is is that type of stuff things done for 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 hollywood studios where they have a lot of artwork that is kind of pixel tuned because it has to be um then all of a sudden you have to you have this problem it's like you know you have to develop two sets of artwork for it or, or completely change the design to, to try and figure out a tiled background or whatever i mean it, it's a lot of work goes in when you make make these assumptions about what the the window size and, and when you went to retina it really wasn't a big deal because you know you could just evenly double the size it's not a problem at all but here you have a new aspect ratio and that's a bit of a pain so i don't know i don't know how other people have uh have dealt with that uh yeah i i i don't know i mean if people in the chat room want to comment on that they're just too busy telling me what courses i should be Mm. um developing next to actually be listening to us um it's i think it's totally dependent on your on your um your application isn't it? If you've done yeah. everything, I think basically, if your background is a custom JPEG or or, or GIF or something or, or PNG, uh, and now it's getting straight, you know, you need to have different sized ones for different bits. That's a complete pain. If it's more, if you have a more, you know, let's, let's face it, the majority of applications are sort of, um, you know, table based, probably of some nature or field based, and if it's just about that then using auto layout again in flow you can make the whole thing sort of look nice in whatever size it's at so yeah i think it's going to cause problems for some people and for other people it's not even going to be an issue yeah totally true as i said kind of it's just this particular client has a very photoshop driven workflow which is fascinating on it to itself and one day be one day maybe we'll talk about it um but uh, i think it, it i think i don't think it's going to be huge a huge issue um and and actually, I I've not seen a white iPhone five yet. Um, you know, but I was a bit worried about the letterboxed apps initially, but on the black phone, um, because the whole thing is very black, and then the black, you know, the old apps that aren't rescaled yet, they look fine. Yeah, it really doesn't look odd or weird at all. Now I'm just wondering if on a white phone, when you get the black bars at the top and the bottom, because because the black bars and the black phone just sort of merge into the phone, it all looks okay. It's not. Yeah, you know, I'm not sat there with any of the apps that haven't been updated yet for the new format, thinking, oh, I wish they'd do this now because, um, because this just looks so horrible. It, it just looks fine. It's, it's, yeah. It, it's so. I don't. You know, for those who is is a slightly bigger problem, then you know, then maybe they um. You know, it's the pressure, you know, there's no pressure to get it right immediately. You can spend your time getting it right. Yeah. So, so the, the, the chat room, uh, in fact, Simon, uh, said, well, what about, you know, saying, well, isn't there an official suffix for, for launch images? It's, it, that is an issue. And yes, that can be taken care of as, as, as Josh points out, right? You can do that, but that's, that's, that's not the specific issue in this case. You know, you have a view that's set up. And it is highly, highly designed on the on the uh, with with kind of a, a Chrome a Chrome you know a, a view a window frame and stuff like that and all that and and if you didn't design it to make it stretchable 
then that's a problem, for example. And, and who knew that you'd have to do it? I mean, a designer says, here's, we want this to look, here's the iPad size and here's the iPhone size. And we just start with, with, the, with the retina resolution and we scale it down as needed for non-retina and we're all good to go. You know, nobody, nobody could have known before, before the iPhone 5 announced that you would have a device. It's the first time where we've had, you know, a, a product category, an iPhone, that has potentially two different sizes of, of, of screen, two different aspect ratios. And that's that that you know that's one of the great things about being an iOS developer for all these years is that there was just very little variation in the hardware. This is the first time where we have to think about that. And again, you know, if if, if you are kind of more data-driven things with table views and, and those things are which are naturally stretching and you only have things that are along the bottom of the screen and the top of the screen, it's fine. As if you have artfully designed things on the side that that aren't thought to be stretchable, you're in for you're in for an issue. Okay, well, I'm just going to make a quick apology for people out there who um, seem to be struggling with the audio today. Um, I'm not quite sure why. We seem to be uh, having a decent level of bandwidth. We are still broadcasting um, across a hotspot from an iPhone 5 across 3G broadband. Um, so I guess we are sort of asking for trouble, uh, but we are broadcasting out to a server, which uh, so it's only our signals going through that. Um, we're just going to keep going. Uh, apologies for that. There's nothing I'll do about it right now until the wonderful British Telecom, the sort of monopoly state phone provider here in the UK, decide that they actually are prepared to run a new line into my office. Um, there's not a lot I can do about that. Uh, we we um, have been waiting over a month and they've still not turned up. So there we are. They're going to bring down the iDeveloper TV empire. I think it's time, it's time for to, to run copper. Although that said, my 3G broadband is um, better than the line that they're probably going to run in, so we may still have problems. Um, yeah, this, I mean, this stuff is interesting. I mean, we now are, you know, we've always said about the iPhone, um, isn't it great not to have different resolutions? You know, that all the people, I remember back when I used to do some um, Windows CE um, phone development many years ago, you know, the, the whole, the whole, uh, thing about it was you know you could never guarantee and i guess the same in android you can never guarantee what size a screen is going to be um people could still argue that we've only got two sizes so how bad it can is it going to be but i guess you know maybe with the introduction also of auto layout as well you know that the guidelines are going to be you you develop stretchable um stretchable uh, interfaces and um it's if you don't develop a stretchable interface that's your problem yeah yeah, or if, or if not, you just have to deal with multiple files, and then I guess it gets to be a little bit big. You know, the, all the different files that you have to, to to make it look good. I mean, boy, you get hammered in reviews. If you, don't ever try and ship an app where where any bit of 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 the UI imagery is is not Retina, and, and rightfully so. I mean, you, you people pay money for this extra hardware. It really just completely stick out. But the reality is, it takes time. You know, now now I you know after having worked with the the MacBook Retina for a while, I can see why people are up in arms. They go visit a website and say, "Man, those images look crappy." But you really think that every 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 website in the world is going to instantly go through the trouble of upgrading their their images to be Retina compatible? I mean, they're not no. not for no. a while. I mean, I have to say, um, I am so impressed with the iPhone 5. I mean, I've been running, yeah, was it a week and a bit now, whatever it is. Um, my wife is, I had, I was on a 4, I didn't have a 4S before, and I you know, gave the 4 to my wife, and um, I was just using the 4 this afternoon, and it, and, it, and it felt like I was using something, you know, from a thousand years ago. Mm. <laughs> it just felt so heavy and, and, and so clunky and so slow um, in, in comparison to the 5, which is just sleek and it's so fast. Um, that uh, and actually I do like, especially if you're going to watch um, a movie or something on it. Yeah, you know, I do like the new format, and and I think um, I think what we might see now it'll be interesting to see um, uh, what you know, we're going to have this new format. And you say Apple Apple devices they tend to upgrade like mad. That actually I think you know Apple's view is here. Yeah, this is going to be a pain, but in two to three years' time, we're now only going to be dealing with one format because the other ones are going to be dead. <laughs> Sorry, I can't help but laughing at the chat room <laughs> saying that you have to use wince. No wonder you're balding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
I, I saw that one. I was trying to ignore it. <laughs> Sorry, and, 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 and you've just totally ignored my really serious hardware. We will only end up with one format, and it's going to be the new tour format. Uh, yeah. And and you know, give it two years, and that's what it's going to be. Probably, but you know what? Dealing with all these transitions, you know, the, that's the fact of of life. And if you are trying to manage that and become better at that, it would be really cool if there were training courses from a company that could really help you with that, wouldn't it? It would be. Are you suggesting I do a sponsor slot slot now, John? I'm <laughs> suggesting that we might want to do that, yes. Well, I, see, I was about to advertise one of my own training courses at that point. Oh, sorry. <laughs> but there we are. I will, I will bow to the sponsors. I guess, I guess based on your um, really slick lead in that I've um, uh, ruined, we ought to talk about invasive code, don't you think? I would say so, yes. Invasive code. Invasive code. Everybody loves invasive code, and we we love them for a reason, don't we? Invasive code are uh, one have been a long time sponsor. I say that every week, um, is because it's true. Still, they don't get any shorter time sponsors. Long time sponsor of the show. They offer iOS developer training, and they've been running their iOS six course for a couple of weeks now. Um, it's uh, basically they do. It's a five day training course, uh, intensive. You get seven hours of training during the day in a small class only up to 10 people if you listen to this show regularly you know that i love that and that's um you know that's a huge selling point for me um if you've never been on a training course before um then you know you know that's a question you should ask you know one of the questions you should definitely ask is how many people will be in the class because it makes a huge difference i spent years being a trainer i used to have trained people in lots of languages i'm not even prepared to admit that i used to use um and as a trainer, looking at a room of, of eight people, nine people, ten people is a joy. Looking at a room of 20, 30, 40 people is just a nightmare. Um, and so that's a question you need to ask. Um, and even after that, after the uh, seven hours for your, in, in, each day in your training, there's a couple of hours of lab time in the evening where you can just go back in. You can, um, you know, finish up the work from the day if you didn't get there ask some questions the trainer's going to hang out with you there as well um and you probably get a you know uh, a, you know a more interactive experience there for that bit as well um basically uh their next course is in san francisco and you know what john i can't even remember the date i should have remember reminded myself before we started so i am just going to the website now which is where everybody else could go invasivecode.com or you can go straight to the training page actually by going to training.invasivecode Dot com and the next course is on november the 5th in sunny san francisco would it still be sunny in november john it absolutely will be and even if it's not sunny it's always sunny in our hearts okay there we are <laughs> oh that's so cute um, um <laughs> november the 5th san francisco is two thousand eight hundred dollars but if when you apply for information you say everybody loves invasive code they'll give you 200 bucks off how good is that eh that's very good and don't forget, this is iOS 6 training. Their material is bang up to date. So uh, it's Evasive Code, training.evasivecode.com. Go check them out. Thanks for being a sponsor. John, back to you. What other problems were you having? Ah, what other problems were I having? Yeah, that was that was basically it. it it's, it's just a lot of little problems that all add up. And then you, 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 you kind of face these, these, these moral dilemmas about which way do you do? Do you cut off support from other people? Or how do, how do you, what are the best practices? I, I mean, another thing that I found is, you know, if you've got to build for multiple, if you want to have old versions around, and if you're using Jenkins, for instance, we've talked about that. Boy, you know, continuous integration really is good. Having an automated building system really is awesome. Um, and I will say that the fact that Xcode has switched to having everything inside the app wrapper potentially makes things a lot easier um, because you can switch the command line tools. I didn't know anything about this, but I was trying to help out somebody who was working on it. And uh, it is very nice that the fact that there's a command line tool that would allow you to say, for if you're building using the command line tools, if you're using Xcode build, which installation of Xcode would you like to use to build it. So it is now a whole lot easier um, to have multiple versions of Xcode app and even have a, a, a CI system deal with those things. Um, so you can say this project wants to be built with Xcode 4.4 and this one wants to be built with Xcode 4.5 and when 4.6 and 5.0 and all those things go out coming forward, it's, it's a lot easier to, to deal with, which is nice. Yeah, it's, you see, I guess I'm in a weird situation here. Well, not weird. It, it's a, a a lucky situation that 
you know, I, I don't tend to do a lot of big project work anymore. Um, and so I'm developing sample code or, or, or smaller apps where, you know, the point is you we just tend to be keeping it up to date. So I'm not dealing with lots of these sort of the, these problems of this, although I haven't, I would like to set up a, um, um, uh, the words have gone, a build system where it builds automatic continuous build system. Yeah, Thank you. Right. Thank you to me for remembering. Um, yeah, we, we <laughs> should do a show system. on that. But yeah, um, yeah you, you see, we live in a world where you know Apple. We like the reason we like Apple is because they well, they're not frightened to say, "Okay, we're changing everything," and you know that's what we like about it if we if if apple didn't say that you know the biggest problem with windows is microsoft would never say we're changing everything you know in 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 windows 8 or whatever it is there's still support for way 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 back stuff that you know apple would have forgotten about a long time ago and i think you know if we're developing for devices where people are um where, where they're going to say we're moving on we're forgetting everything then you know Surely, don't we have to adopt a little bit of that attitude within our in our approach to the software as well? Well, that's the thing. If you are, if it's your project and you own everything, absolutely. If you're if you're doing it for someone else, you know, it's very typical. If you're a studio or if you're doing academic apps and you just want, you know, your goal is to address as much audience as possible, um, and you leave no audience that you can reasonably address un addressed that's fine then so what you have to say is okay that's fine but you have to be aware that in the apple infrastructure uh, you know um accessing legacy devices having code that will work on all legacy devices is not the genre is not the mode in which all this stuff is designed to work and that will cost you more and there will be extra work to do and and if that's what you want to do that's fine but it will cost you more end of story yeah totally it's true as i said though you know you can't always know these things there were two things that no one could have known the, the the change in screen size and the new processor so and yeah i, I guess i guess but this isn't this about us being um you know why why you know is there any need for us to have to have the iphone an app out that works on the iphone 6 iphone 6 iphone <laughs> 5 ios 6 um you know the day it's released no, well, I mean, here, here's another. Yeah, that it's true. You just, I, I would say that that you have to pay very, very close attention to the the signals that Apple gives, and they give them long in advance because they must clearly know these things. I mean, they've been saying for years. You know, you you have to think about making your apps resolution independent. It, it, it for certain types of apps, it's almost impossible to do. For your your kind of more standard ones, it's app, it's it's pretty much easy to do. And then you know they always say, don't make any assumptions about your screen size. Um, and 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 people who did now saw what the problem is. So yeah, this it, yeah. this is a circular conversation, but it's an important one though. Yeah. Right. Well, we we're, we're sort of starting work on the iDeveloper TV app here at the moment we're sort of going through some of the design phase on it um i think we're going to target ios 6 uh probably most likely because you know our audience are going to be ios 6 um there but let me tell you the main reason john that i would go ios 6 right now ui collection view oh yeah it's (laughs) it is it is so cool it is awesome we're we're currently developing a course about it because it's, Mm. it's so deep and you know it's um you know another one of these well we think short, but uh, you know the whole the whole way of it. I mean, just just the standard collection view with the flow layout is it, just. I mean, how much work does that save for a start? But then once you start messing around with putting your own layouts in and doing all the stuff and overriding um, stuff using all the delegates, I mean, this is a sweet, sweet, sweet addition to the uh, iOS SDK. I have to say. Yep, I'm looking forward to that. I'm guessing when they announced, I mean, they obviously announced this at Dub Dub, and I wasn't at Dub Dub, and um, you were because you um, backed out of your original thing to not go. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm guessing, was UI Collection View the buzz of the week? or Absolutely. You know, what, is that what? Because I got the sense from here that it was, but was that what everyone was sort of talking about and interested? No, I think so. I think that was one of the things that everybody did. My my little snark tweet was there: is that uh, UI collection, you know, seen in the UI collection view room was NS collection view crying in the corner. 
because it's so much better. I mean, that, that's always been the thing that people would say, oh, you know, here's some things that you can do on Mac that you can't do on iOS, you know, one of which was a, a built-in grid view of sorts. And now, you know, if you if you think NS Collection View is, is good, which it is, I've used a lot, you know, UI Collection View is 10 times better. So There we are. I mean, I have to say, after what I did watch the dub dub videos on UI Collection View, which made it sound all incredibly simple to use, it does take a little bit more work than is suggested there. Um, not not because you know not because there's a lot of code, but it's about actually you know, getting all the properties set up properly um to make it do the stuff you want. There's an enormous number of properties which all come through from the flow layout um uh which are in there and so obviously if you put a different layout in will be will be different again. But actually just the, the flexibility of it and I'm writing a whole bunch of demo apps using it at the moment and trying to show different size images and this stuff and 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 whatever about it. And it's yeah, it's um if you've got to do some layout of data in, in any grid format or displaying different size cells, you know, unless you've got a darn good reason to target less than iOS 6, you are creating a lot of work for yourself by not allowing yourself to use UI Collection View. Yep. Indeed, indeed. But there we are. But well, you're not going to know because you're not allowed to use iOS 6. Uh, no, well, I mean, for, it's pretty soon I will be, certainly for my own stuff. I mean... Um, but client stuff, I can't make that call. The customer is always right. Now, let me tell you something. Uh, suggest something else. I've, I haven't really looked at much yet, um, and I don't know if you have or heard much about it at DubDub. But something else in, um, improved a lot in iOS six is the UI state preservation stuff. But it seems I, to have slipped under the radar. I've not really heard a lot about it. You looked into that at all? I haven't. Um, it is really cool. You know that uh, you can. It, it, because you write a lot of code for doing it. I was very happy when it came out because it, it, it's a necessary thing. Your app stops because somebody has a phone call or goes to the foreground. You, you know, your app should come back exactly where it, where it was. And even one step further, if there are things where you can preserve that state and put it up on uh, you know, uh, iCloud so that they go to another device and are looking at the same thing, playing the same get, game or video or whatever, it would be kind of cool if it could do it that way. So. You know, a, a, that reminded me that another kind of hidden gem, which I think is cool in iOS 6, is the ability to uh, put in your web page uh, a little bit of code that will say, if you have a, a, an app that could read the same data, right, uh, and you want to see if the user has the app and then kind of pass them to your app right away when they visit the web page or tell them about your app in a standard, unobtrusive, not obnoxious way, that is, to me, a huge, great, great, great thing. Yeah, no, I'm, I've sort of not tried that or looked at it, but I've heard a few people talk about it, and um, yeah, it sounds really, um, yeah, yeah, really, uh, really good. Okay, so what are the problems with iOS six? I mean, I, I, I'll be honest, I've only recently started digging into it. I've been a bit slow with other stuff going on, so I haven't really spent the last three or four months digging into it. So I'm a bit of a, you know, behind behind the times person. But um, you know, what are the? Okay, let's not let's not even bother talking about um, maps. For now, because I'm bored with everyone talking about it. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, okay, the fact that the, the whole cities are missing or in the wrong place is a slight um, oversight. But, uh, yeah, let's give it time. This is this is a 1.0. Uh, so but anything else that's a complete... A complete, uh, no, I think that that, that covered loss. it. I think that, that that's, you know, as I said, it's just these little tri- ni- nibbly, you know, what's the word I'm going to, you know, nitpicking little details and stuff like that. They're just not fun if you want to just write code. <laughs> but I, I, I want to talk about something very quickly that's nice in Maps. The fact that Street View has gone away has pushed Google to announce that the, that their updated mobile Maps will have Street View, and my guess is what they meant by it is that they were going to get Street View performance that's equivalent to what they had, you know, in the app. Um, because if you do Street View on a desktop app, it's done with with Flash, and it's it works really well. If you do Street View in the old Maps app, they were obviously doing you know uh, open some OpenGL stuff, and now that there's WebGL, it means that their their mobile maps with Street View are available with a you know it should work with the same performance. That means. If, for chance, you wanted to build an app that wanted to use Street View, you could do that. I believe we'll see when they actually release it. But I've actually—that's something I've actually wanted to do. So you have a location on a map, and you'd like to embed within your own app a web view that has a high-performance Street View. It may be possible to do so in the very, very near future. Well, there we are then. And I hear people are saying reasonably good things about the um, 
turn by turn directions. Although yeah. I think it was was it Daniel Jelkert I heard on his podcast saying that it sent him <laughs> took him off the interstate and put him, sent him back the other way, then changed his mind and put him back again the other way. Oh, really? <laughs> so I that, tried was, that was very interesting. Well, yes, all these objects, all these objects yeah. sometimes make me wish I was in a deep REM sleep state. I think, I mean, if you look at, uh, I mean, the What's New in iOS document, in um, iOS 6 document that uh, uh, is in the developer um, area, you know, there, there's a reasonable amount in it, but I guess, you know, it is definitely an evolution as opposed to a revolution, iOS 6. Um, and I'm guessing with the annual release cycle, we should now be expecting that, you know, that we're going to get, you know, a, a little bit of improvement here, maybe two or three new things that now, um, you know, do something that we've had to write code for in the past, and you know, it, the, the, the the this transition. Maybe it's going. Do you think it's going to slow down a little bit now as well? That's a good question. You know, I think that they they always they. Uh, I suspect Apple knows pretty far in, in advance where they want to move developers. Like, for instance, the transition to auto layout and uh, certain technologies that, that that they start with that you know. All the development does happen on the Mac, right? So they start developing the the, the the technology for it. They can play around with it a little bit. They don't really have to think about processing speed, for instance. You know, I don't. Uh, you know, the iPad One is not supported with 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 iOS six, and people are wondering why. Well, maybe you know, to, from what I understood, it just simply does not have enough memory to be able to drive a screen with that size. Um, and I think with things with auto layout or you know other technologies, sometimes they have to wait until a processor that's fast enough can do it. You know, iOS Maps, you know, the new thing, it works okay on on, on an older machine, but it really feels comfortable at, at that level of machine, uh, at that level of processing capability. So um, we we didn't talk much about about the 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 uh, rotation stuff. I, that just came to mind. That's another thing. Yeah, that yeah, okay. Too. Yeah, yeah, go and, on, let's, let's go. Hey, it's a free format show. Let's go back there. We don't have yes. to stick to any show. Attack, before you go back there, John, um, yes. so you can just get your head around it, let, let's do our second sponsor before I forget, because um, I have been forgetting sponsors recently, and, you know, it's, um, you know, they, they give us some money to pay for bandwidth and that sort of thing, so um, it's really bad if I forget about them, and it doesn't show that I love them enough. Um, so we want to talk about REM objects. Now, these guys really have been around a long time. You know, they, these were the originators of the REM objects, REM objects, REM objects. Everybody loves Everybody REM loves objects. objects. Yeah, you know, that all came from there. Um, they sponsor us and they want us to talk about their data abstract, um, uh, uh, product. God, my, my, my brain just isn't working today. Um, it's all about data. It's all about accessing databases. If you need to access data uh, where you have multiple applications, multiple devices accessing the same data at the same time, then really you need to go and look at Data Abstract. Whether it's across the local network, or this stuff is actually designed to work across the internet. It's designed to work in a remoting nature. Um, it's very bandwidth efficient and, and, and really designed for um, a stateless environment. Um, although, you know, using it on the um, your, your local intranet is, is fine as well. Um, it, it, it's uh, native client code, so basically you're not having to use any Java or anything like that. You could get you got Cocoa code uh, in there, all the um, server end stuff. Um, there's no uh, OS 10 um, server stuff because really OS 10 isn't really used as a server in most places. So you could use Mono, um, so that'll get you on Linux and whatever. Or you can use .NET if you wish to. But basically, that you don't even if you're just using standard stuff, you can just run a whole bunch of um, uh, schema generation stuff and then stick it into one of their standard servers and have it connect and do all its stuff. So you really want to go check it out. Uh, remobjects.com slash DA. Uh, listen to episode 58, uh, where Mark Hoffman came on and spoke all about, uh, all about it. Um, it does brief casing models as well. So if there's a disconnect on the internet, you can still continue to access data. If you are doing any of that stuff, need any of that stuff, you would be a fool, I think it's fair to say, to not at least check out REM objects, um, uh, data abstract before you go ahead and spend lots of time writing code and causing yourself lots of pain. So that's REM objects, www.remobjects.com. Thank you very much for being a sponsor. We love you guys. Yes, we okay. do. 
Okay, John, let's talk about the rotation stuff. Back, back to pain. <laughs> so, yeah, with, with, with auto-rotation, there was a certain way of doing it in iOS 5 or everything up there where every view controller could eventually you know, set itself up to, to respond to the message, should we auto-rotate? You know, we are auto-rotating, and we just did auto-rotate. And then they switched in iOS 6 to a different model where they basically said, Really, it's up to your, your, your root view controller to decide the rotation policy, and it should get this data from um, the, the property list that sets it up. Because they basically want, in an ideal world, your application should support, in all its view controllers, whatever rotations that you're going to do. In other words, mixing and matching. This part of the app runs in portrait, but this part of the app runs in landscape only, and this part of the app can rot- rotate between the two. And I've worked on, on two apps that, that has that, and it's a pain in the in the, the buttock. And Apple really doesn't really want you to do that. And, and I can understand why. It's a jarring user experience if you're in an app and you're in portrait, and all of a sudden it wants to go landscape or, or vice versa. Uh, but so... Uh, in theory, and this is the theory, you know, the backwards, the things should be backwards compatible. But that's that's where you run into a problem, where it's where depending on which SDK you're targeting, you then have to adapt the behavior. And I found it a bit of a but a problem. The other thing that that was a a, a gotcha that was certainly knowable, but you know, a- Apple does release these things. They put all these what's new, and and we're lazy. We don't always read. Through all these different things, you cannot have you cannot not have a root view controller on your window anymore. You could get away with it, but now, now, now you have to. And if you don't, all of a sudden you run your app on iOS six and you think it should be great, but all of a sudden <laughs> it looks terrible. And uh, so that's that's a simple thing to do. So I mean, it's um, in fairness to Apple, as you just said, this is for those of us who've not been following the recommendations over the over the years we're now finding problems yeah you have to test early and test often don't make any assumptions so i mean is the argument that an app, an app should always adapt itself to the rotation of the device no excuses no no that's not no that's no it's just they're, they're basically te- you know ultimately it comes down to the framework, the app, whatever, where it's the window, I don't know who's responsible for it, but the thing that gets the, the has the sense of the device is rotating, right? So then you have to, it will say to your view controller, do you, you know, should I allow auto rotation? Do you want to rotate your, your, your view controller's view? And, and it used to be that was up to each individual view controller and they just changed that mechanism. So instead of just leaving it up to each view controller, ideally the root view controller should be the one that decides it and you only override it if you absolutely have to. So they've just, they just changed the API. They've kept it, the old API. In theory, I've seen some things where it doesn't work or, you know, there's this right specific combination that you have to get of which uh, which SDK you're targeting to get the, the behavior you're looking for. So it's uh it's it's a bit of a problem. There we are. Okay, so we we've we've had a bit of a bitch about transitioning and whatever, but on on the whole, iOS six good or bad? I think iOS six is great. You know, all all told, I'd say it's great. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see if, if I think if iPhone six I'm assuming we'll get a 5S and then a 6. So if in two years' time, iPhone 6 is a different screen size again or shape again, a bit like, you know, if the iPhone becomes like the Nano and just constantly changes, of course, you know, the Nano changing only, you know, pees off accessory developers um, and watch strap developers. Uh, but it, it doesn't um, affect developers because there's no SDK. Um, but if the iPhone becomes like the Nano and it becomes this, constantly changing shape then i think we'll have cause for argument but i think apple have just said okay iphone we've been around five years i think we can we can deal with a, a resolution change and a you know and a, and, a sl- and a shape change um and you know and that's it for the next five years we'll probably with this one and so we're just hitting a, a particularly difficult transition but you know it's not something we're gonna have to do every time indeed indeed well, I've said that before, but you ignored me last time, so I just thought I'd say it again and give you another opportunity to to praise my wisdom. <laughs> <laughs> Scotty, you are nothing existent. You are nothing if not wise. <laughs> there we are. Right, okay. Um just gonna have a quick check of the chat room. 
just to make sure there's uh, nothing that we really need to pick up with. Lots of bitching about maps. We'll just uh, let that one go by. Suboptimal routes. There we are. We're going to leave it. Okay, John, it's been an absolute pleasure just to be me and you and just to chat. It's just like, yo, I know, Scotty, I almost feel like we are parents who are finally able to have, have had date night instead of everything being family dinner night. Yeah. <laughs> there we are. Right. Um, John, anything you want to tell anybody about before we go? Uh, no, just the, the, the normal good stuff. If you want to follow my product, Memory Miner, you can find it at memoryminer.com. I have a bunch of blog posts up at memoryminer.com slash blog, and you can follow me on Twitter as Jembe. That's D-J-E-M-B-E, like the West African drum. Oh, and if you haven't checked out the, the video of my talk in Amsterdam, I'm very proud of it. And uh, you should check it out at youtube.com slash Amsterdamers, A-P-P-S-T-E-D-A-M-R-S. I hope I got that right. I'll, just put, that, I'll put it in the show notes again. It wasn't yeah. a show notes. I have to say, I did watch it, John, and that you have some interesting moves, especially during the music bits. <laughs> I thought you liked that. <laughs> yeah, it, it's like it's it's like um, you have strings and elastic attached to bits of your body that most people would rather they didn't know existed. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but it was great fun. Yeah, I recommend people go go uh, go watch that. Uh, talking to video. Uh, Maybe by the time this is out on the feeds, if not, then definitely within a couple of days, our new auto layout and iOS 6 um, develop, uh, training course will be out. As I say, it's going to run, runs for about 90 minutes and goes right down into all the coding stuff. And it's not just one of these interface builder overviews, which I've seen quite a few out there. It's uh, We look at this stuff properly, so um, please do check that out. NS Conference Mini, if you're based in Europe or the UK, well, if you're based anywhere in the world and you want to come, you're welcome, but I'm assuming that uh, most people won't want to come all the way to the UK just for a single day. But um, November the 12th, NS Conference Mini, it's all about the business. Um, uh, five or six talks during the day um, about the business side of being an indie or a contractor. We're looking at um, business development. We're looking at support. Uh, we're looking at um, application community. Um, we're looking at marketing and, and developing the app ideas from a business point of view. Uh, we're looking at uh, growing your development team. How do you, how do you, if you start hiring people to work on your products, all that sort of stuff, all focused around business. That's November the twelfth. You can check that out in our developer TV slash NS conference. Early bird tickets are available until October twelfth, so that's only about a week from today. Uh, a bit more than a week from today, 10 days from today, because it's the 2nd of October, isn't it? Um, it's just £99, so go check that out, and uh, love to see you there. Um, that's it, I think. I'm Scotty, MacDevNet on Twitter. You can follow uh, all our video stuff and about this podcast if you follow iDeveloper TV. Wonder about the conference, follow NSConf. I really probably ought to have less Twitter <laughs> names, shouldn't I? I'm Scotty on AppDevNet. Um, and I think you're probably bored of all that by now. So um, there's going to be no music chat room because I'm still using the um, uh, the 3G-based um, <clears throat> uh, stuff. Um, and I've not got the desk set up or anything yet. And you don't need to know that. What do you care? Okay, so that's it. Until next time, you take care. <laughs> I'm gonna go get some more.